Welcome everyone to this podcast series titled, The Testimony for Yeshua. I am Michael, your host for this show. This program is being recorded as both an audio podcast series and a video podcast series. At Polyet Lotion Publishing, we leverage modern communications technology in art, entertainment, and information for the benefit of a future-ready audience in order to disseminate the message of God's eternal truth. First, I want to tell our audience a little about the content of this show and its purpose. This show will consist of six episodes covering the testimony for Yeshua's innocence as a human being and the truth of how he was the Messiah. As a witness to God's eternal truth, I will present a case in Yeshua's defense to counter the false accusations being made by pagans, heretics, and the Antichrist about Yeshua's birth, life, crucifixion, resurrection, and the coming day of judgment by examining the scriptures within the New Testament that prove the man we know as the Christ, God's anointed one, was an innocent man when he was murdered by pagan Romans and heretic Jews nearly 2,000 years ago. I will also present a vision of new life to come for those who believe in God's message of eternal truth and accept the Holy Spirit in the second birth. Yes, the time is getting close that everyone needs to accept the Holy Spirit and know God's eternal truth because evil men in this world are plotting the destruction of the earth, and the suffering of all mankind with their hatred and greed. I may not need to be specific, but I will reference, for practical purposes, that the warfare in Ukraine and Israel are evidences of the destruction to come. We are witnessing the beginning of World War III. I want to reiterate to our audience that our purpose in this series is to present a case to the world as a witness of God's eternal truth by arguing for the innocence of Yeshua, who has been blasphemously accused of being the Son of God. We will be presenting evidence from the text of the Holy Bible and from even older prophetic texts that originated before the time of Moses to prove that Jesus Christ was the innocent Son of a Man. We will further prove that Yeshua was falsely accused of being the Son of God by demonically possessed morons and lunatics, pagan idolaters, and heretic Jews who persecuted and crucified Jesus for his true faith in Almighty God, the Father, who is the Holy Spirit. I will also identify in this program the identity of the Antichrist because the time has come for humanity to know precisely who that is and what actions to take. This program is not about claiming that Jesus was not the Messiah, the Christ, or that he was not crucified and resurrected by God's power and Holy Spirit. This program is not Antichrist, because I truly believe that Yeshua was the one true Christ. The Antichrist may be known as those who claim Yeshua was the Son of God. This testimony for Yeshua is all about presenting evidence to the world that proves his innocence as a human being and that he also knew and taught God's eternal truth in his life and ministry. 
Yeshua wanted all of humanity to know that Almighty God is only one entity and to accept the Holy Spirit in the second birth. Our first episode will cover the birth and early life of Yeshua. We will be presenting and discussing various New Testament passages to validate our claims. But I must make it clear to the audience that we state unequivocally that the modern-day text of the New Testament is an editorialized and heretical fraud. We reject the ideological concept of the Bible's inerrancy that has been proclaimed by heretical theologians who are unwilling to have humility before God and accept correction by the Holy Spirit through prophecy and a true spiritual relationship with God. The main reason that people are leaving the churches today is that there is no acceptance of prophecy for correction and guidance of the church and the people. The ideology of inerrancy prevents the living word of God through the Holy Spirit to enable growth and guidance. Therefore, the church without the benefit of the prophecy through the Holy Spirit will die because there will be no growth. Schisms, unrest, disagreements, and mass numbers of parishioners falling out are all evidence of how the fraudulent ideology of inerrancy has failed. Additionally, the Holy Bible has become a cursed book because pagans and heretics have edited the original testimonies by altering details or adding fabricated details for nefarious purposes. And religious leaders in Christianity lack true faith in God's Holy Spirit to allow prophecy to guide and correct the church. Today's leaders in Christianity are not willing to have humility and accept correction through prophecy. Additionally, they claim that prophecy cannot contradict the written words in their doctrinal texts, which further blasphemes God's greater power than what appears in a text written by ignorant pagans and heretics hundreds of years ago. While they accept that nothing is impossible for God, they reject the possibility that God can and does communicate correction to us in prophecy through the Holy Spirit. Rejecting the prophecy's truth that the written text of the Holy Bible is completely errant in innumerable ways will be the condemnation of all those sinners who also reject the greatness of the Holy Spirit by refusing to abandon the false ideology of biblical inerrancy. The truth is still in the text of the Holy Bible because pagans and heretics were not able to completely alter all of the truths about Jesus that still remain within some of the Gospels and other documents that make up the New Testament. While there are many people in the past and today who have wanted to change history by telling an entirely new version of it, we categorically refuse to accept their so-called wokeness that attempts to whitewash humanity's crimes of pagan idolatry, human slavery, and sexual immorality. What has happened since the time of Jesus is that pagans and heretics have repeatedly modified the story of Yeshua in an effort to further support the false ideologies of pagan mythology, which ultimately blaspheme God's Holy Spirit. Prophecy from God's Holy Spirit is our means of communication with Almighty God because this printed text is mostly the words of men who wrote this book. God lives eternally throughout the universe as the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Bible is only words on paper, written by men. Without the living word of God coming to us through prophecy and the Holy Spirit, 
our faith in God becomes a belief in a fairy tale story created in the past by heretics and pagans. We know the Lord by our faith and in the acceptance of the Holy Spirit, not by the words in the book alone. We will begin this first episode by looking at the scripture within the book of Matthew. Now, I want to tell our audience that throughout this series, I will be looking at one of four Gospels for each of four episodes, the first four episodes. And through this examination, I will provide specific evidence that proves this case that Yeshua was an innocent man. Now we will begin by looking at the Gospel according to Matthew, beginning with verses 1 through 17. Anyone who has ever read or been told what is in the book knows that these first 17 verses in the very first chapter of the very first Gospel in the New Testament is all about the genealogy of Christ the man that we know as Jesus Christ. Now, his ancient name was Yeshua, and I use that name interchangeably throughout this series. I present this first item of evidence to the world to prove that Yeshua was a completely human baby when he was born. Yeshua was not a hybrid of a human female and God, who is extraterrestrial in origin and an eternal spiritual being not made of flesh. Jesus was born to a loving human mother and human father. He was a completely normal child. But I believe God blessed him at birth with a greater portion of Holy Spirit than any human child had ever received. The spirit of all creatures comes from God's Holy Spirit And we believe Yeshua was a gifted child with a greater spiritual connection to God and a more evolved intelligence than any other child of his time. Yeshua was a normal human baby when he was born. What other kind of baby would a woman have? There is no other kind of baby that a human female could have except to have a human baby consisting of DNA from both the father and mother. No living, breathing creature on earth has ever existed that did not have DNA from both parents. And DNA was made by God to be the code unique to our species. DNA is in our blood, and it is what makes us human beings. Our first point of scriptural evidence to this fact appears in the Gospel according to Matthew. This first book of the New Testament begins with Matthew presenting the genealogy of Yeshua, which clearly proves Yeshua's lineage and that he descended from the ancient King David by Joseph's bloodline. Matthew chapter 1 verses 1 through 17 clearly tells us the lineage of Joseph to prove that Yeshua was related to King David by blood, and there were 28 generations between King David and Yeshua. Verse 16 says, Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. We are not mistaken that Joseph was Mary's husband. Nor are we mistaken that she gave birth to Yeshua. 
what follows verse 17 is a completely heretical lie because a child's DNA comes from its father and mother. God is an eternal spiritual being, not made of flesh and blood with DNA. God is never a human being made of flesh. Anyone who has any sense at all will agree that a human being made of flesh and blood does not become God, nor is a God in any way whatsoever. There is only one God, and Yeshua was born a human being. Those heretical pagans who created the lie in verses 18 through 25 were ignorant and intellectually unevolved pagans, and they did not know about how the bloodline of Yeshua is the real truth, because Mary was not a descendant of King David. The father of the child, Yeshua, was Joseph, and it would have been Galilean tradition for Matthew to know these facts. The editorialized testimony of Matthew does not end there, and pretty much all of the following texts of the New Testament after this very first passage in Matthew continually contains editorializations like the one in this very first chapter beginning at verse 18. Pagans and heretics altered the original testimonies and fabricated lies to please the pagan Roman emperor Constantine and his descendants until they decreed no more changes would be allowed. The passage edited into Matthew's testimony is a fairy tale, and it has had the protection of a pagan heretical curse for hundreds of years. This curse has been broken by our true faith in God and acceptance of God's eternal truth and Holy Spirit. The truth Matthew told about Yeshua's bloodline is in the very first 17 verses of the New Testament, and he descended from the royal house of King David because Joseph truly was Yeshua's father by blood. As a Galilean, the same as Yeshua, Matthew would have known the familiar origins of nearly everyone in the area. Everything after the facts of Yeshua's birthright is a complete lie, and it begins with verse 18. While the tradition of paying a dowry in Galilee was different than other places during the Roman Empire era, Joseph paid a dowry for Mary because he loved her. Mary was not pregnant when Joseph proposed marriage by offering her family a dowry because no man would ever pay a dowry for a non-virgin. If Mary were pregnant when Joseph proposed to her and paid a dowry, then his offer is an admittance that he impregnated her. No man in Galilee traditions would ever offer a dowry for a wife that he had not impregnated or was not a virgin. This flagrant example of heretical editorialization tells a lie about how Mary was sold to Joseph for a price when she was pregnant to create the premise that she was sold into slavery with a bastard child and the payment was not a dowry for marriage. The story here transitions from the honorable details that say Yeshua was a true descendant of King David because Joseph was his father to become a completely scurrilous lie about how he was a bastard child to a woman sold into slavery. All of what verses 18 through 25 says about Jesus is a completely insulting heresy. The price Joseph paid for Mary was a dowry, and she was either a virgin when he proposed or she became pregnant by Joseph prior to the dowry being paid. In any case, a virgin cannot be pregnant because there is no such thing as immaculate conception by Almighty God. According to the book of Enoch, 
God punished his eternal sons for impregnating human females, and God would do no such thing either. It is not a matter of God not being able to do it. Instead, it is a matter of God not doing something that was immoral. The real truth of Yeshua's innocence is the text of Matthew's testimony, but it has been ignored in Christian dogma because modern Christianity teaches this editorialized lie of virgin birth and immaculate conception instead of the true testimony of the Apostle Matthew. Additionally, we know today the scientific facts about DNA that those pagan morons did not know. Pagan Romans and heretic Jews created this lie out of sheer ignorance. A child is related to its parents by blood through DNA. Jesus was a true descendant of King David by blood because Joseph was a descendant of David. If it were true that Mary was sold to Joseph already with child, then the entire Galilean community would have known from the time of Yeshua's birth that he was a bastard child. Joseph would have been dishonored as a descendant of King David for wedding a woman who was pregnant with a baby that was not his. And nobody would have ever respected Jesus as a descendant of David. The pagan Romans who fabricated this alteration of the testimony would have known this also. And they would have known this story was insulting to the memory of Yeshua. Telling the story this way to the Roman Emperor Constantine would have allowed it to be acceptable to him because he and other Romans truly hated Christians for their rebellion. Those pagans intentionally altered the story of Yeshua's birthright to denigrate the truth of his innocence. Constantine was not a convert to Christianity. The truth is that Constantine converted Christianity to pagan idolatry known as Catholicism. It is an insult to call someone a bastard. But those pagans tried to justify their deception of insulting Yeshua by saying he was the son of God and that God impregnated a virgin by his miraculous powers. They sealed the lie with a blasphemous proclamation that cursed anyone who would deny their lie as truth. Nothing is impossible for Almighty God. But those pagans and heretics completely ignored the ancient prophecy of Enoch and even rejected the inclusion of the book of Enoch from the Holy Bible to prevent anyone from knowing the truth. I guarantee that there are very few members of our audience who have ever read the book of Enoch or even understood what it says. In a faked attempt to preserve Yeshua's honor and that of his mother, the heretical editors further developed the fraudulent story of his birth by even including the tale of how Joseph knew all about the situation by the visitation of an unidentified angel. Angels are extraterrestrial originating eternal beings, and they do have names. If Joseph told others that Jesus was his son, then his story also insinuates that Joseph was a liar. According to verses 18 through 25, if Joseph claimed the child was his and that Yeshua was a descendant of David by his bloodline, then he would have clearly been bearing a false witness. The entire premise within this passage suggests that Christ was being raised by a liar and a harlot, which makes verses 18 through 25 even more blasphemous than simply claiming he was the Son of God. Only pagan Romans would have enjoyed this type of denigration about the man they crucified 
in one of the worst crimes ever known to humanity. In this falsified testimony attributed to Matthew, the lie being told is within verses 18 through 25, and this content is a complete fabrication by a pagan heretical editor who was most likely a Roman writer for the Emperor Constantine. These details were not the words of Levi, who was also known as Matthew and one of the original disciples of the Christ, a Galilean who knew the truth of traditions in Galilee. A pagan Roman editor would not have known or understood those traditions, and the discrepancy is proof that this part of the testimony is fraudulent. There has never been a Galilean who would have ever written or said such blasphemous things about God or Yeshua. Insinuating that the child was the son of a woman impregnated by God is also an insult to God. In the book of Enoch, God's first prophet in all of human history tells us that God will reject those who call the chosen one a son of woman on judgment day. The very first prophecy about the Messiah appeared in the prophecies of Enoch that originated long before Moses was even born. In fact, the stories and prophecies of Enoch were preserved in history by Enoch's great-grandson, whom we all know as Noah. What has been lost in time is the meaning of the phrase son of woman. But people of Yeshua's time knew it very well, because the prophecies of Enoch were well known to them at that time. There are references to the prophecies of Enoch in the New Testament written by one of the original Galilean disciples to prove they knew the prophecies of Enoch. I direct the audience to review Jude chapter 1 verse 14 as supporting evidence in this claim. Enochian history and prophecy had not been eradicated from the traditional teachings of Judaism for the Galileans prior to Yeshua's birth or immediately afterwards, but the process of altering and editing the original text attributed to Judaism, which became known as the Second Temple Period, was only just beginning at the time of Jesus. I submit here this claim to our audience that the heretical changes occurring during the Second Temple period in the Torah and Talmud may have been the reason for God's timing of raising Yeshua to be the Messiah, because heretics were going to eliminate the true words of God by abolishing the book of Enoch. Because Enoch's story and the prophecies are the eternal truth of Almighty God, the book of Enoch has survived outside of the compilation of texts that have become cursed by heretical editorialization. Heretics have not been able to successfully editorialize the book of Enoch the same as they have the testimonies and writings of the apostles because it continues to exist in ancient Ethiopic and has been available in English translation for 200 years. I strongly encourage our audience to find and read the book of Enoch. It is available for free as a PDF download on the internet and this fact is also proof of God's relationship with mankind. We will also make the book of Enoch available for free download on our website. Referring to someone as the son of woman was the same as calling someone a bastard child or the son of God because there was no man as the child's father. It has always been an insult to call any man the son of God because of the crime committed by the sons of God during the time of Enoch. The historically forgotten phrase that describes a child not born of a man as his father is son of woman. And the prophet Enoch uses this phrase in contrast to the phrase son of man when referring to the chosen one in his prophecies. Yes, 
Enoch was the first prophet to foretell the coming of the Messiah long before Moses was born. But there are few scholars who have endeavored to include this reference in their paganized versions of abridged Bibles that claim they know everything. It becomes quite obvious that those heretics knew nothing. The oldest known prophecy about the Messiah appears in a text that originated before Moses was even born. Anyone saying that Yeshua was son of God is actually insulting both Almighty God and Yeshua. The truth of these statements will be more profoundly proven as we continue to examine the text of Matthew, who was a Galilean and knew the text of Enoch. This presentation of evidence from the text of the Gospel according to Matthew will further validate this claim that calling someone the Son of God is an insult. I want to point out that all of Matthew chapter 2 is a complete fabrication of lies that attempts to validate the falsification of Yeshua's birth by referencing Old Testament content that is completely out of context and unrelated to the truth of Yeshua's existence as Messiah. There is no reference to any of the prophecies within the book of Enoch. Any research paper or legal testimony that refers to a source without validation or relevancy would be left out of academia or legal courts today. The fraudulent editors of the real testimonies were not all that smart, and their falsified presentation of so-called sayings of the prophets intentionally does not name any of them with specificity in order to falsely create a valid premise for the fraudulent tale. While it may be argued that biblical scholars have identified the sources for these fabricated references, the truth is that many of those references appearing in abridged versions of the New Testament are also fabrications and lies created and connected by even more pagans and heretics. Reading and understanding the entire context for any reference is important to truthfully support the meaning where that reference is being used. It would be a matter of plagiarism today for any scholar to write quotes without validation provided or to quote another author without there being true relevance in the association. I might as well refer to how Mary Poppins descended to earth using an umbrella as proof that an angel came down from the heavens to tell Joseph that Jesus was the Son of God. Abridged versions of the text that cite an Old Testament reference for this passage are also heretical fabrications, and even plagiarism. Vaguely citing the words of ancient prophets to support the telling of a complete lie is an example of plagiarism and heresy that are not acceptable in any respectable document today. In other words, the author of these falsified details edited into the testimony of Matthew was a complete moron who intentionally used vague references to the Torah in an attempt to validate the lies he was telling about Yeshua. It has been modern-day heretics who have endeavored to further validate these vague claims with specific references in abridged versions of the Bible as if they had any real knowledge of what those ancient writings were actually saying. Anyone with at least some education can clearly read those reference texts and discover that there is no relevance or practical relationship between what they say and the fairy tale created by a pagan editor in Matthew chapter 2.
as a witness of God's eternal truth. I completely reject chapter 1 verses 18 through 25 and the entirety of chapter 2 in the book of Matthew because these details are inconsistent with God's eternal truth. I further reject any appearance of these details where they additionally appear in vague or specific similitude in other testimonies or books within the New Testament, especially the entire gospel according to John and parts of Luke. The repetition of falsified details is an attempt by those ancient heretics to validate the veracity of their lies throughout the New Testament. Duplication and repetition of false testimonies and the text of the New Testament do not make those details true. All of what appears in these falsified details of Yeshua's birth further discredits him by insinuating he was a bastard child. But the truth is that Yeshua was the child of two very loving and human parents. Yeshua was a well-loved child by both of his parents from the time of his birth. The details before chapter 1 verse 18 clearly tell us that Joseph was Yeshua's father. It has been the desire of those Satan-worshipping pagan Romans to discredit Yeshua with the false accusations that he was the bastard child of a slave girl, a son of woman. And this concept has always been known in Enoch's prophecies to be an abomination of Almighty God. According to Enoch's testimony appearing in the book of Enoch, God punished his eternal sons, the angels of heaven, for descending to earth to impregnate human females to have offspring of their own. And God would not do that either, because Almighty God is not a hypocrite. There is a reason those pagans and heretics rejected the book of Enoch from being included in the canonized text of the Holy Bible. Enoch's testimony contradicts what those blasphemers wanted their editorialized book to say. All of the texts, wherever it appears in the New Testament, that claims Mary was impregnated by God as a virgin, is fraudulent. Almighty God punished his eternal angels for the crime of having offspring of their own with human females, and God would not have done this either, because God is an eternal being, the same as the angels God created. While it is true that nothing is impossible for God, the greater truth is that God has forbidden His true sons, the angels He created in heaven, from having offspring of their own on earth, and God would do no such thing either. Any text in the Holy Bible or any other doctrine that proclaims immaculate conception is simply a fraud. And this concept blasphemes Almighty God, the Holy Spirit, because God is only one entity. The falsified editorialized claims that Yeshua was the Son of God insult the Apostle Matthew, Yeshua, his mother, and Almighty God, who truly is the Holy Spirit. It is without a doubt that the perpetrator of these false testimonies against the innocence of Yeshua and his mother have insulted God, and they will eternally suffer for this crime. All truth will be revealed on Judgment Day, and it is the Holy Spirit that will reveal the truth of this testimony to those who have truly believed 
and accepted God's Holy Spirit in the second birth. All who truly know the Holy Spirit will surely know this testimony tells the truth because it is the Holy Spirit who reveals this eternal truth to the faithful and righteous in these last days before the return of our Savior, Jesus Christ, in the consummation of heaven and earth for the glory of God. Yeshua was not the son of woman, a child who had no man as his father. Read the book of Enoch, which is not in the Holy Bible for a reason. It tells the truth, and the Holy Bible is filled with lies. Yeshua had human parents because he was completely human, and he was loved by both his mother and father. The real relationship between Mary and Joseph was that they were husband and wife, wedded in true love, because God is love, and the Lord would not have raised up a man to be a prophet in a household where love did not abound. The pain of a dowry prior to the start of the Roman Empire was to the family of the bride to make up the loss of her contributions in work to the family's survival. However, that was reversed during the era of Roman occupation. If the Galileans had changed their traditions also, it would have been Mary's family who paid a dowry to Joseph for wedding her because of his royal bloodline, especially if she was already pregnant. Because the traditions in Galilee were followed and known by all of the disciples in Jesus, the story of Joseph paying a dowry for a woman already pregnant is inconsistent with their adherence to traditions. And this fact reveals the truth of this testimony, that this alteration of truth was a pagan Roman conspiracy. Fraudulence throughout the New Testament is widespread, and this is only one example of many that we will expose in this testimony for Yeshua. The truth is that Joseph and Mary were married, and she became pregnant by him. It is a dishonorable insult to Mary to say that Joseph bought her for a price when she was already pregnant with a bastard child. Of course, the pagans who editorialized the story wanted to say these things because they created this insulting story to satisfy the Roman Emperor Constantine, who truly hated Christians for rebelling against the Roman rule after murdering Yeshua. These pagans and heretical insults of Yeshua were used to brainwash the ignorant peoples and suppress their faith in God's eternal truth with lies originating in the false religious beliefs of those pagan Romans who murdered Yeshua. Calling someone the Son of God was acceptable to pagan Romans who believed in a mythology that such beliefs were acceptable. But that would have been an insult to Galileans who knew the prophecies of Enoch. In Judaism prior to the Second Temple period, saying that someone was Son of God was an insult because it implied a multiplicity of God and denied the truth that God was only one entity. No Galilean nor Jew of that time period would have ever been willing to refer to Yeshua as the Son of God in an honorable sense. Yeshua would have never referred to himself as a Son of God either. It is undeniable that the Chosen One, God's Messiah, our Savior, 
the one and only Christ, would have this prodigious ability to teach even at a young age. Yeshua's life and story was truly a significant occurrence in the history of humanity, but he was not the only person in biblical history to have been an exceptional child. Another example is the prophet Samuel, who appointed the kings of Judea by virtue of his relationship with God as a prophet. And this relationship between Samuel and God began when he was a child. Throughout history, even up to our time, there have been many children born exceptionally gifted with intelligence that cannot be explained other than such occurrences are simply the characteristics of their DNA and bloodline. Yeshua was just such a human child whose DNA combination enabled his intellectual and spiritual evolution. This obvious fact grounded in modern science further validates the premise that Joseph's bloodline to ancient King David was separate from Mary's bloodline and she did not have any direct descendancy to King David. Yeshua was very different from everyone else of that time, and the Galilean people recognized him for who he was. They knew that Yeshua was truly a descendant of David. Yeshua was not abnormal in the sense that he was an abomination of horrible mutation from some kind of crossbreeding of different species, the same as occurred during the time of Enoch, when he tells of how the sons of God descended to earth to have offspring with human females. The heretically altered story of the event Enoch tells about from a time long before Moses also appears in Genesis chapter 6 verses 1 through 6. But it is clear in verse 6 that the event was an abomination to God for it to have happened. Yeshua was completely human and God had gifted him at birth with exceptional intelligence because Yeshua would become the Messiah when he grew up. Being chosen by God to become a significant prophet to mankind did not mean Yeshua was the Son of God, as pagans will proclaim in their false doctrines, claiming to be Christianity. According to the historical and archaeological evidence of religion among the people in the Mediterranean region at the time, the entire concept of a child being the Son of God was acceptable to pagan Romans because this was a characteristic of their pagan beliefs. The Romans and Greeks were both descended from a race of humans who had come to believe in multiple gods, and that a god made a baby in a human female called Hercules, or Heracles, in their mythological tales. Those false religions were the remnants from a time when the fallen angels had offspring with human females. The offspring of angels and human females were known as Nephilim, in the Old Testament, but they were not heroes. Those offspring of God and humans were heroes to pagans, and this example of pagan editorialization appearing in the Torah occurred during the Second Temple period. The Nephilim were the reason God had to destroy all life on the earth with a flood in Noah's time. The fallen angels had corrupted humanity in Enoch's time, and God destroyed them all with the flood in the time of Noah. Enoch's great-grandson. It might be helpful for the audience to understand that it was unacceptable in Judaism for a human child to be son of God. 
Such an occurrence would imply a multiplicity of God. And the first commandment of the Ten Commandments clearly says that God is only one. The fact that Romans held these mythological beliefs of multiple gods also further explains why Christianity has become a false religion when based upon the polytheistic ideology of God in three persons, the so-called Holy Trinity. Modern Christian doctrine evolved from a combination of the true message of Christ and pagan Roman mythology of multiple gods and demigods or sons of gods. Because it is a blasphemy of God and an insult to Yeshua to call Jesus son of God, only those who were pagans, heretics, or the demonically possessed would make these claims today and even in the time of Jesus. Further proof of Yeshua's innocence as being born a normal human being is in the account of his baptism. Yeshua was not the son of God nor a demigod. He was a human being like all other humans and he needed to repent before God the Father the same as any other man. No man on earth is ever born without sin, and Yeshua was no exception, because he was a completely human child. It might have been considered a sin that he stayed in the temple to teach when he was a child, because that action was actually disrespectful to his parents. Yeshua sinned, even as a child, by not honoring his mother and father, through his actions of staying in the temple to teach without their prior knowledge or permission. Mary scolded Yeshua for his unpermitted absence, but his childish defense of stating he was about his father's work was only the same as any other gifted child's defense, because gifted children rarely have a sense of doing anything wrong, especially when their actions are in relation to their prodigious gifts. I can say this because I am a former educator who has worked with gifted children during my career. While Yeshua was always a gifted child and destined to become the Messiah, he proved he knew his destiny by saying he was doing his father's work, meaning he was doing the will of God by teaching in the temple, even at the age of 12. Yeshua never said he was the son of God, the same as pagans and demonically possessed morons will say. Yeshua was a normal child when he grew up, and he sinned in violation of the Ten Commandments, just like every other human being. It was not the only mistake he made in his lifetime, but he was truly human. Yeshua also needed to demonstrate to others the truth of John the Baptist's message, that they all should repent of their sins. I would also like to add that baptism in water as an act of repentance was Yeshua's first step in following the path of angels. For our uninformed audience, I need to explain that this prophecy about the paths of angels originally appears in the book of Enoch, which was excluded from the Holy Bible. I will be telling more about the path of angels as we progress through this series because this information originated in the true word of God, and the prophecy of these angel paths is an integral part of this testimony for Yeshua's innocence. The angel path I am specifically referring to in this case is the path of Phanuel, who was one of four archangels described to Enoch by the angel of peace. According to this prophecy that has been further revealed and interpreted in the text of one of my other podcast programs titled Antediluvian Revelations, a poetic retelling of the book of Enoch the prophet, which is available for free as an audio podcast series on Polyet Lotion Publishing's YouTube channel, 
Yeshua, the Messiah, needed to know and master four angel paths. In order for Yeshua to fulfill the prophecy of being the chosen one originally prophesied in the book of Enoch, he had to master the path of angels, which are the characteristic taskings of God's archangels. Yeshua had complete cognizance of what it was that he was doing. It is quite obvious from reading the Gospels in the New Testament that the pagans and heretics who created those texts did not know the prophecies of Enoch or anything about the paths of angels. Yeshua was not instantaneously the Messiah at birth, and he was also not telling anyone that he was fulfilling the ancient prophecy within the book of Enoch. God had to spiritually teach Yeshua what to do and how to do it before he could teach others, perform miracles, and receive eternal life in the transfiguration. Yeshua had to follow the path of angels by demonstrating mastery of their characteristics in his life and ministry. Yeshua's mastery of the angel past validates the Messiah's spiritual empowerment as the Christ, the Anointed One. I will tell more about all four of the angel paths as we continue in this series, but I want the audience to know that repentance, even unto death, was the tasking and characteristical path God gave to the archangel Fanuel. Repenting and being baptized in water was Yeshua's first step along the path of angels. This knowledge and prophecy are not from the Holy Bible because the details of the angel pass appear only in the book of Enoch, which pagans and heretics rejected during the canonization and editorialization of the writings that became the Holy Bible during the early centuries of the Roman Empire before and after Christ. Before I get started on the full details of evidence proving Yeshua was an innocent man, I want to say that the faithful among the people were not calling Yeshua Son of God. They were calling Him Lord, King, or Son of David, because to say He was God or Son of God would have been a blasphemy. I consider any text of the New Testament where the disciples call Yeshua Lord to be a matter of respect and not their expression of an understanding that he was God or Son of God. I can describe similar circumstances in my own experiences as a military leader in the United States Army. Many people called me senior or top because those were respectful terms for my position when I was a sergeant first class and a first sergeant. To his disciples and others, Yeshua was their teacher Lord or Master because they had given themselves to Him as subordinates and followers. But they did not call Him Lord because they thought He was God or Son of God. Anyone who has taught that the use of these honorable terms indicated that people believed Yeshua was God or Son of God has been a completely uneducated moron for having done so. It is not wrong to address Yeshua as Lord because this is a respectful term, even today for those of us who know the eternal truth. We rightfully honor Yeshua by referring to Him as Lord out of respect for Him as our elder in the truth of the Holy Spirit. The community of Galileans had known Yeshua's birthright and that He was a descendant of David by Joseph's lineage, so they knew exactly who He was when He began to perform miracles after being baptized. Yeshua was the son of David, a rightful heir to the throne of ancient Israel, 
and they would have addressed him for that station by divine right, out of respect and subordination. I will now present further proof from the book of Matthew that Yeshua was not guilty of being the Son of God, because he was truly respected in his time as a descendant of King David. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 28, there is the story of how Yeshua and his apostles were traveling and passed by a tomb. A group of demonically possessed lunatics came out of that place and accosted Yeshua and his entourage. These foul and evil characters called out to Yeshua and insulted him by calling him Son of God. It is clearly the lunatics then and today who will insist on calling Jesus the Son of God, because that is an insult. And those words of accusation come out of their mouths by the influence of evil spirits. It is the spawn of Satan and those evil spirits of the fallen watcher offspring that cause these lunatics to insult the Messiah by calling him Son of God. There is no logical argument that could explain how demons would ever tell the truth. The demonically possessed called Yeshua Son of God because demons are eternal liars, hatred, and evil. In contrast to these insults, Chapter 9, verses 23 through 34, tells the story of how Yeshua performed miracles of healing as he traveled in his ministry, and some blind men approached him asking to be healed. It was with great respect that they called him Son of David, because they had heard and knew in true faith that Yeshua was a descendant of ancient King David by blood relation through his father Joseph. This is clear evidence in Matthew's testimony that shows a contrast between the ghoulish fiends insulting Yeshua by calling him Son of God and the true believers respecting Yeshua in his innocence and true descendancy by calling him Son of David. I do not make a mistake here because lunatics called Jesus Son of God and the faithful called him Son of David. Yeshua was a human being descended from King David's bloodline and the true faith of those blind men reveals how they were healed by knowing this truth. Additionally, the Pharisees, who were heretical and hypocritical religious leaders of Judaism at the time, accused Yeshua of performing miracles by the power of evil spirits. Their statements and accusations were further insults, and those heretics spewed insults from the hatefulness of their hypocrisy. Yeshua proclaimed to those who were healed that it was their faith that healed them, and he was telling the truth, because those who were healed by their faith knew that Yeshua was not the Son of God. There will be more to discuss about the many teachings and miracles associated with the life of Yeshua in the next episode, but we will complete this episode with one last bit of evidence in support of our testimony that Yeshua was an innocent man. The final passage I want to discuss tells the truth of Yeshua's innocence as a man in his own words. In Matthew chapter 10, verses 16 through 26, Yeshua prophesies about who he really is and how a great many liars will aspire to corrupt the truth of what he is telling the people and his disciples. He warns them of how they will be persecuted for accepting God's eternal truth as he tells it to them when he says, When they persecute you in one city, flee to another. For truly I say to you that you shall not finish converting all the cities of Israel until the Son of Man returns. There are two things about this prophecy that are significant. 
The first is that there has not been the complete conversion to the acceptance of God's eternal truth in all the cities of Israel, because that nation is clearly divided, and the city of Jerusalem itself is even further divided by three religions that cannot agree to accept the eternal truth of one almighty God. The second significant part of this prophecy is that there will not be a complete acceptance of God's eternal truth until, and I quote, the Son of Man returns. Yeshua proclaims his innocence as a human being by clearly referring to himself as the Son of Man. Yeshua did not proclaim that he was the Son of God, because that would have been a blasphemy at the time, the same as it is today. Yeshua the Crucified was the Son of a Man, a descendant of King David, and he was not the Son of God or an illegitimate child of a slave girl. All of that shameful and scurrilous lie about Christ's birth to a virgin impregnated by God is a satanic insult. Jesus knew he was the son of a man, and he prophesied that his return would result in the complete conversion of the cities of Israel to accepting God's eternal truth. There can be no other result when Christ returns to claim his bride. All will come to know the truth and convert because the only other choice is eternal death. Enoch said it thousands of years before Christ was born and even thousands of years before Moses was born. On Judgment Day, God will reject all who claim the Chosen One was Son of Woman. And any who deny the Holy Spirit will never receive forgiveness for that crime. It has been pagan Romans who have implanted these lies of impropriety about Almighty God in the text of the New Testament Gospels. And they have never repented of their crime of murdering Yeshua when he was always an innocent man. It has been those same pagans and their heretic descendants who created the cursed text of the New Testament, which has become a perversion of the true message of Yeshua. It was also the descendants and mindless followers of those early heretics who murdered millions of innocent people for hundreds of years to create the present state of corruption in humanity that is now on the verge of self-destruction in global thermonuclear war that will be instigated by devil-worshipping heretics who call Yeshua the Son of God. All of the warnings about the Antichrist have been warnings about the blasphemers who call Yeshua the Son of God, because the heretics who proclaim that Yeshua was the Son of God are the Antichrist, and they are the majority of Christians today. I tell you today, as we are witnesses to the innocence of Yeshua, that he was the Christ, the Anointed One, but he was not the Son of God. The demonically possessed called Jesus the Son of God because they were hatefully insulting him. Those demonically possessed morons were not complimenting Yeshua, and they were not afraid of him when they blasphemed God. They were goading him and taunting him into the commission of sin by trying to invoke his anger. In this episode, I have presented the first part of my testimony for Yeshua. I will continue to argue that he was an innocent man, a human being, not son of God. I have proven the facts of his birthright and exposed the scurrilous pagan lie. I have declared my rejection of the fraudulent ideology of biblical inerrancy, and I proclaim to the world that the New Testament is a cursed book because it has been editorialized for hundreds of years. It is filled with many lies 
and falsehoods. My testimony will expose these lies. The prophecy of God's eternal truth and the Holy Spirit will guide me in this task to expose the pagan conspiracy that corrupted Yeshua's message of repentance and falsely accused him of being the Son of God. The second episode will cover Yeshua's ministry and miracles, and I will continue to proclaim Yeshua's innocence. Thank you for listening. I am Michael.